1 Corinthians chapter 13. We are in the middle of Paul's longest exposition on spiritual gifts. The Corinthian church had been very gifted, but they were kind of going nuts with their gifts, and it became self-focused instead of being orderly and leading, you know, building up the body of Christ. And so he's chastising them about him and teaching them the proper perspective on spiritual gifts. And this chapter is the famous love chapter. If you've been to a bunch of American weddings, you've probably heard this <laughs> this chapter there. And he says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. He's speaking of God's love, not, not the love of the world. Uh, Jesus spoke against uh, the, the way of the Pharisees, and they would try to keep peaceful relations with all. That's kind of what the world calls love today. You see lots of bumper stickers about this. But this is not God's love. God's love brings everyone closer to the truth in unity in his spirit. Always progressing away from the ways of the world and fallen man into his life, which is love. So love both compels and love is, is the reality, the life and the destination. God is love. And so Paul's saying, you can have all these amazing spiritual gifts, but if you're not operating out of God's love, it's all a waste. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. Bear all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child. I think like a child. Sorry. When I was a child, when I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love, abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. A lot of these descriptions of love are very much dis uh, similar descriptions given in Galatians as the fruit of the Spirit. And so it's it's this, the very characteristics and aspects of God himself, his life. And so this is, we are to be transformed in these ways, to become more and more like him. And then we become patient. We're not jealous of others. We're not brag, prideful, arrogant. Um, we act in in a in respectful ways. We're not unbecoming. Um, and we're not after our own. We're not provoked. So all these things that he he mentions, we're not. We're just not getting affected the way the world gets affected. The enemy is constantly trying to provoke us with all of these things. He says God has no part with these things. Instead, love rejoices in the truth. 
It bears all things in perseverance, has complete belief, hope, and endurance for the way of God coming forth. So this is the life God calls us in. This is his plan. And again, it's very different from worldly love. Uh, what people talk of as love is, is hardly even similar to this. But he says, love never fails. Everything else will fail. Gifts of prophecies, tongues, knowledge. All these things will be done away with when the fullness of God comes so that he is known in such a way that these things become useless. He, he just is. It becomes, it goes past knowing, becomes being. And so that day will come and these things, what, what do you prophecy when God is there? <laughs> you know, it's just, it becomes irrelevant. People like to use this verse to say there's no more spiritual gifts anymore because, um, I don't know why, because we have the Bible, I think, is the most common reason. It, it makes no sense. They certainly don't get that out of the Bible. But they say that based on this verse because it says prophecy will be done away with, tongues will be done away with. Now, of course, they claim knowledge, and they ignore the fact that it also says knowledge will be done away with. So that's very selective reading of Scripture, of one particular verse, and excluding part of the verse so we can focus on the part of the verse that fits our reality. And I think I just talked about this yesterday. If we're living a reality that falls short of the glory of God revealed in Scripture, then we either have to create a religion that makes us um, good and righteous before God, and, and not just good and righteous, but the full embodiment of what God is doing in a man. We either have to make ourselves that full embodiment, or we have to say, you know, there's more to this spiritual life than I am yet experiencing. God, I want more. I see that this is true in your word, but I don't yet know it. Help me to experience these things. Help me to grow in this spiritual life. Show me the way. And unfortunately, a lot of people camp out around the prideful arrogant, which just a few lines up, it says that's not what love is. But we decide, well, I don't experience that. No one I know experiences that. Therefore, everyone who says they do experience that is lying. And it does, it's not true. It's not real. That's one way to go, I guess. So continuing on, Paul says, we know in part and we prophesy in part, but the perfect is coming and the partial will be done away with. He says, there's, there's a maturing process. When you're a child, you speak like a child. But when you grow up, you no longer speak in these ways. He said, now we see in a mirror dimly. So we can kind of see what's going on, but then we will know face to face, God Almighty. And so... He says, he will know, we will know fully just as we are known. But now faith, hope, love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. Faith is the way in. Hope draws us forward. And love is the reality of the life of God. They're all essential. We can't, we can't, we can't get to love without faith. We, we probably would always fall short if not for hope. And, and love is who God is. So we must walk in all of these. And then we're on to chapter 14. He says, Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophecy. So he's saying, first of all, your life should be focused on pursuing love, on pursuing God, 
Don't get carried away too much with, with spiritual gifts. However, do desire spiritual gifts. You should want God to be flowing in you in, in many different ways. Um, but he says, especially prophecy. Verse 2, for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands. But in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. So he's he's explaining the gifts are meant to build up the body, not to promote you and your you know, your life with God. He says, so if you're speaking in tongues and you're, and you're by yourself, well, that, that's wonderful. That's you communing with God. That's a beautiful thing. He says, if you, if you speak in tongues in a fellowship um, and, and there's someone that, can, that has the gift of interpretation and can interpret what you're saying to the people, well, that's wonderful. But otherwise, you're just kind of making a show of yourself. Um, he says... Now, prophecy helps build up its word from the Lord. It could be something to come. It could be a truth of God that should be made known to a person or the body there in order for the body to be lifted up in God. And so that is a much more valuable gift. Verses 6 to 12, he again expounds on the fact that what they had in Corinth was a bunch of people speaking in tongues all, and it was just a bunch of gibberish, and it was made for a chaotic environment that wasn't helping anybody. And he said, that's what he basically said, you're not helping anybody. It used to just sound like if a foreigner is speaking to you in a language you don't understand, that what good is that to you? He said, that's what, that's what you're creating in this fellowship environment, and, and that's not for the unity of the body, so stop it. He says, therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the mind also. Otherwise, if you bless in the spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say the amen at your giving of thanks? Since he does not know what you are saying, for you are giving thanks well enough but the one person is not edified. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. So a lot of important information there. For one, Paul is saying, I speak in tongues more than any of you. So he's saying it's very valuable because the the speaking in tongues um, helps you to uh, you know, commune with God helps you to receive from the Spirit and have uh, the life of the Spirit moving through you, even though it is unfruitful for your mind, but you're at peace with God and it doesn't have to be about your mind because it's just you and God. The Spirit is above the mind, so having your Spirit joined together with God's Spirit is a perfectly good thing uh, when you're in your time alone with the Lord. Um, he says, however, if I'm, if I'm speaking before a bunch of people and I'm speaking a language they don't understand, that is not edifying them. That is not building them up. And therefore, 
um, it's not helpful. I would rather speak five helpful words to them than 10,000 in a tongue. Now, I certainly, I don't believe he's trying to set up a law. So sometimes in fellowship, there might be a, a, a little time of speaking in tongues, which helps everyone sort of, uh, you know, commit that moment to the Lord and connect with the Lord. But in general, he's saying a chaotic environment, all about people speaking tongues no one else understands, is useless. He says, now, if there's an interpretation, by all means, pray for that interpretation. I don't speak in tongues as much as I wish I did, and I've been saying that for years. Um, I do speak in tongues some. I I am not 100% positive that my speaking in tongues is the fullness of what that gift is supposed to be. I've seen it happen powerfully. I had a friend um, when I met him. uh, was on a mission trip in Israel, and he was desperately seeking the Lord for the gift of speaking in tongues. And one of, I've mentioned this before, the spirit wasn't moving very strongly because we had a couple women in the group who wanted nothing to do with it. And then they left one day. And then the group became much more united and unified after that. And then that very night, uh, the spirit came on him and he spoke in tongues. And I could literally see, you know, when you're in a, like a hot day, it's just super hot day in the, the, the air and the distance is kind of like melting and it's waving and it looks, I don't know how to describe that. I'm, I'm sure there's a word for it, but I don't know it. Where the air is just, it's, it's not clear air. It, it looks like you're looking in the water, but it's the air. That I could see that coming out of his mouth. Uh, my wife had, had a time when, when I think she was given the gift and um, she could not control herself. She had to be speaking <laughs> uh, out of tongues. So, um, I don't, I don't have an experience like that personally. Um, I have had a time, one time, where I felt pretty convicted that I had an interpretation. I was by myself. Um, woke, I think I woke up and just started praying and um, speaking in tongues and felt like I had a clear interpretation for what I was praying about. In general, though, it just helps me to, it, it helps clear the mind, and it, it's kind of the opposite of what Paul's saying, but that's not to say it's it's different. It's Paul's saying this, he's giving instructions for speaking in a group. When you're by yourself, sometimes the mind is used by the enemy to attack you. It continually brings up all the things about your day that you should be doing, uh, things like that. And uh, speaking in tongues cl- clears that. But it's also, it's not bringing in the words of your prayer. It's opening up your spirit to receive from God without the clutter of your mind. And so it can be a powerful thing in that. Um, And so, you know, I bless anyone here that, that if you have not tried this, that you simply try it. It might feel awkward, but seek the Lord, pray for tongues, and then just try it. Again, I've heard a story from one person who's, and I might be in this boat. I'm not saying um, that I'm not. I also am not sure that I am. So that shows you how confident I am on this subject. But um, I I heard a guy uh, teaching one time who said he was speaking tongues for a long time. And then one day tongues burst out of him in such a way that made him feel like he was faking it every day up until that point. Um, and so 
fake it. If you're, you know, you're alone before God and you're honest with him um, and it feels awkward, who cares? Um, Paul just got done telling us he speaks in tongues more than any of us. It might be something that we look into. Paul says not to be children in their thinking, but to be mature. He quotes the scripture, By men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers, I will speak to this people, and even so they will not listen to me. So he says tongues are a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are mad? But if all prophecy in an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. I've always wondered, it seems like Paul contradicts himself because he said prophecy is not for the unbeliever. But then he says, if an unbeliever walks in and you're prophesying and you disclose the truths, the secrets of his heart, um, he's going to fall down on his face and worship God and knowing that God is amongst you. Um, So again, don't don't assume that Paul's laying down law here because he, he just says two things that seem to be opposite. But he's saying the true prophecy is the spirit of Christ coming out in words uh, to reveal deep hidden things. Again, whether realities of God or it could be things of someone's past. It could be things of the future. But the secrets of someone's heart can can touch them quicker than any truth because it's their truth. And so then he's speaking about what uh, fellowship should look like. What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at the most three, and each in turn, and one must interpret. But if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. But if a revelation is made to another who is seated... The first one must keep silent, for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all may be exhorted, and the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So he's just laying down an orderly way where the spiritual gifts can be shared so that everyone is built up and edified. The women are to keep silent in church. They are not permitted to speak, but are to subject themselves, just as the law also says... And if they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is improper for a woman to speak in church. Was it from you that the word of God first went forth, or has it come to you only? If anyone, th- So this, again, I, I think I spoke about this yesterday, similar kind of verses. Um, we, don't, we don't abide by this. Um, Again, if if the Lord were to make it clear that we should do this, then we should do it. This idea that, oh, I'm equal to that, or I'm equal to this, or that's not fair. Those are ideas of the flesh. We should all be willing to submit our lives to the Lord in whatever way he calls us to. Stop thinking so highly of ourselves and submit our lives to God. That being said, I don't believe this applies today because I see the Spirit of God work powerfully through women in our midst. And so it's coming straight from Him. And so I think this had to do with their culture at the time, 
more so than being a law for us today. Um, I, I also don't have a problem if a body comes together and they want to do that and everyone, it, it depends. If, if the men are somehow feeling superior and they're keeping the women down, well, I would have a big problem with that. If the families involved all felt like they wanted to honor this, this idea in scripture, then I think God would honor that. It's all about each, everyone, men and women, every one of us, humbling ourselves, seeking the Lord in the way that we, we can see him move and transform us more and more. And it's not about uh, each one of us becoming the star that has a spiritual gift to share or a teaching to share or anything. It's about the Lord. And so if he calls us to do that, well, then why not? You know, humble ourselves. That said, as I mentioned, uh, we, don't, we don't do that. We, we, uh, we get a lot out of what the women share and see the spirit moving in them. And so that we don't see how this applies uh, to us today. As I say that, man, it's just, it's such a weighty thing to say. And um, I, I do say it with fear and trembling because uh, all too often people use that line of thinking to exclude large portions of the Bible and, and justify their own wayward ways. So all I can say is, I say this with fear and trembling, that it is more important to me to serve the Lord and follow the Lord than any of my own ideas. And if I felt like that is the will of the Lord, then I would absolutely ensure that that is the way we fellowshiped. Um, but doing my best to follow the will of the Lord, I don't think that applies in our situation. 37. If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. But if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophecy and do not forbid to speak in tongues. But all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. So he's saying, if you consider yourself a prophet or one who is wise in the ways of God, then you should agree that what I'm saying is truth. He's, he's kind of drawing a line in the sand here. He says, if you disagree, you're not a prophet. You do not represent the Lord. And, but he says, everyone desire earnestly to prophecy uh, because that's the spirit of Jesus that you're sharing. That's the truth of God whether it be present, past, future, it's the, the very truth of God being shared through your mouth. And so what better thing to be able to share? So seek the Lord for this. And don't forbid tongues, but make sure everything is done orderly. And that is it for today. God bless you.